Hello, I'm Steve, the retired criminal investigator with the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, the Federal Law Enforcement Agency of the United States Air Force. I'm Hannah, the amateur true crime enthusiast. I've been fascinated with my dad's job, and I love starting conversations with him to learn more. Join us each week as we share these conversations with you and discuss a real criminal case that piques our interest. Now? Yeah. (laughs) Hello. Welcome back, archivists. Welcome back, everyone. Does this sound louder to you? Am I loud? Okay, two questions. (laughs) The first one, no. Second one, yes. Okay. It sounds loud to me. Okay. Anyway, hello. (laughs) Happy Monday. Today, we have a shorter episode, probably, for you guys. Another genetic genealogy case, though. And this one is kind of cool because we have a college involved, Dad. Which one? Uh, Western Michigan University. Oh, last time we did college... There was colleges involved. We we did those like wrongful deaths or unattended right. deaths. The, right. The, the hazing. The hazing cases we did. However, the college is involved in helping to solve this case. Oh, excellent. Yes. So it's actually Western Michigan University um, students that helped law enforcement with this case. On top of, we'll get to the genetic genealogy because I did say that that was involved too. But they were students that were part of the university's cold case program. Now, this program is brand new. It was actually only like a couple students. But students cataloged the 3,000-page case and logged about 1,200 hours of work over eight months working right alongside law enforcement. So this was not a a class? This was like a community group, like a a group, like just a campus group thing? Yeah, one of the the students is, I believe it was a criminal justice student, or teacher, I'm sorry, not student, teacher, Uh who set it up, and it's like a whole program that they started at the college. And it's for, it's not just like, a criminology degree there's psychology students Mm -hmm. um forensic students where's my list i have it a social work students that's interesting so like all of these different types of majors that could potentially land you in a law enforcement type of field are this program is open to that's interesting specifically a cold case yeah and so essentially what they did too is helped with like all of the organization of this case because mm-hmm. this case was reopened a couple times. This is this is going to be a cold case. Genetic genealogy. Most right, of these yeah. are cold cases, right? It's from 1987. When they reopened it again, they have to go through all of this evidence that they have, at least. And the students also were able to give their input to law enforcement, and they were like, "Hey, we think we sh- you should look at this first. Like this stack of papers over here is a little bit more important than maybe this one over here." And there was three thousand pages. You said. Yes. Wow. Yes. That unfortunately I was not able to get a hold of or mm. like find anywhere. So they also were able to sit in on the conversation that ends up happening between law enforcement and the person who is the murderer the when they do bring him in. Um, and I'll get to that oh, after wow. they identify him. Yeah. So these students are actually able to sit in on that conversation between law enforcement and them, which is pretty cool. So they essentially just get to put like all of the things that they're learning in the classroom into practice, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah, we are talking about Michigan. So I mentioned that was Western Michigan Mm -hmm. University, specifically a Berrien County and the Michigan State Police are going to be who's involved. And we are in Niles Township, Michigan is the, the town that we're in. So in 1987, Roxanne Wood was living in Niles Township, Michigan with her husband, Terry Wood. She was 30 years old at the time. And on the night of February 20th, 1987, 
Roxanne and her husband had gone out to go bowling. They had like a little date night and had actually driven separately. Roxanne ended up leaving a little bit early to go home. And then shortly after when her husband, Terry, arrived home, he found his wife dead on the floor. She was found stabbed. Her throat had been slashed and she was hit in the head with a frying pan. Now, the only evidence was described as being highly degraded and they only had just a few of the murderer's cells of the suspect's cells. You're talking about DNA evidence. Yeah. So they are able because to Because they obviously have a frying pan. Right. In all of the articles that I read and everything that I searched, I wasn't able to find what specifically DNA they had, but I am assuming it it, it would be the frying pan the fingerprints. All right. You know who the first subject suspect is? Yeah. I was going to talk about that next. Oh, okay. The husband. Yeah. Terry. Heck yeah. So actually, it's been how many years? 30. What is this? 35? Mm-hmm. 32 years. He's been a suspect or a person of interest in this case this entire time. Yeah. Yeah. They, they drove separately. Whatever reason. Okay. That You know, the cops are going to. That's a, a point to collect information on and ask mm-hmm. about why. Right. It's either the husband or somebody else followed her home from from the, the bowling alley, right? Or knew she mm-hmm. was going, you know, because a lot of there were witnesses there and they know she left early. Mm-hmm. Or, or the husband killed her when he got home, you know? Right. Because there's witnesses that place her leaving early. So yes. what's going to be critical in this breaking down the the, the crime scene and, and such is time timeline, right? So the right. coroner... Corona has to really nail down the time of death. Right. I'm assuming that they are able to. Again, I couldn't find anything. And on how the close was it to the house, the bowling alley? You know, those it didn't kind of seem things. like. Yeah, it didn't seem like it was far away because it did say he got home very shortly after. Like the time frame between yeah. when she got home and when he got home mm-hmm. was not very long at all. It was a matter of like, I think, 10, 15 minutes. It really wasn't that much time at all. Yeah. From my understanding of all the articles that I read. Mm-hmm. And so he's he's been a suspect his entire life so i'm assuming their timeline was pretty good if they've never been able to like arrest him or anything 35 years well, and they haven't or, been able to well they can't rule it out right and they can't prove it either they said i mean because it's his house so yeah. his dna can be there mm-hmm. you know his fingerprints can be in pan. the frying pan yeah, yeah the knife any yeah if they if he used yeah and i mean like all, all the articles i uh have read said Obviously, this ruined his life and tore his family apart in more than one case. Like, his wife was murdered. Right. But then now, he, for the last 35 years, has been the main person that they have been looking at. Jeez, I wonder. Okay. Do you have any more information about that? Like, did did they interview him? Yeah. I mean, they've interviewed him, but it didn't. I didn't get any information. I wonder how many times they've interviewed him. Probably yeah. a lot. Um, so the person that comes out to be the murderer, he is, his sentencing is April 25th. Oh, so he's not a bad guy, the husband. No, the husband, yeah, sorry, spoiler. The oh. husband is not the murderer. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So it, it does come out that someone else murdered her. Um, he is sentenced. He's being sentenced next month. I'll be able to tell you what he's pled to and everything. Okay, later. so we're gonna get to the cold but case and all this. Actually, okay, all right. Right. Sorry, so I got I'm just you. Saying spoil it. They're not sorry. like releasing a whole bunch of information. Hmm. Okay, really. so back from uh, you didn't have to spoil it, but yeah, that's. Yeah. I'm just saying that's where I'm at with all that information you gave yeah. me. That's where the investigation would have to go. Right, and I mean okay. that's, that makes sense. All right. <laughs> so. So they got nothing. Nothing. It goes cold. 
And then the case is reopened in 2000, 2001 by Detective First Lieutenant Chuck Christensen. And it really goes nowhere from there also. And then again in two, 2020 is when... Uh, what, what was the last date that they opened? That 2001. 2001. So it's reopened again in 2001. And then again in 2020. So we're going 35 years of they really mm-hmm. have nothing. But then in 2020 is when they use, uh, like I said, they go to Western Michigan University students to help them. Okay. Did they go to them or was were they That's already working? Like, were yeah. they working it already? No, it sounded like they went they went to them. They oh, they, they reopened idea, it in huh? 2020. Yeah. What a great idea. And like, let's let the kids study yeah. in law enforcement. Well, and what probably happened was the college was like, "Hey, law enforcement, police department, whatever, we uh, have this they program." They probably advertised it, right? Yeah, yeah, they probably were like, "This is what we can do. This is what the students are learning, whatever, whatever." And I mean, again, they were able to really help with like manpower hours, you know, because we've talked about how long it takes to do all of this stuff and how much time like you have to go through boxes of evidence, pictures, all that stuff. Especially. Right. right. And when they pull the box off the shelf, they're starting from scratch. So there's a lot of man hours going into that. Just reading stuff. Yeah. And it sounds like like when I say when I mentioned that the students were able to be like, hey, we think maybe you should relook at this. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's talk about that. Another new fresh set of eyes. I think I don't know. Mm-hmm. Would you have ever thought to use a college program like that? Well, well if something existed, right? You, yeah. If you're nothing from nothing is nothing, right? If you if you're nowhere, and all of a sudden you got this email in front of you that says, "Hey, we're a college mm-hmm. campus, and we have this program. Consider us." And I mean, what it takes is somebody innovative and out of the box thinking, right? Mm-hmm. In in 2020, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because sometimes. In the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, you have these hard-nosed detectives or whatever, probably their way, the way they've been doing things. It just takes someone to think out of the box and say, hey, let's let's do this. Yeah. You know, just like today, they, they have podcasts helping them out and stuff. You know, they have yeah. the, the geneticists helping them out. They have these private companies, private lab companies that we've talked about helping them out. Did you know the Kristen Spark case was uh, actually solved by a podcaster? Did you know that? Which case is that? The Kristen Smart case. She famous case. Oh my gosh, I cannot think of it at the moment though. The, the kidnap one or the, the Ye- kidnap one? She went missing. Yeah. Um. Yes, she went missing from her college. Oh no, I don't remember this one. Yeah, it's it was huge. It was, it was a really big, big, big in the media. I've mm-hmm. always heard of it. Always heard of it. Um. Not the kidnapping, but she's yeah. She is uh, no longer alive, but she went missing. Mm-hmm. And it was a podcaster just like, I mean, the person has not even been to trial yet. It was just a couple of years ago that this okay, podcast. Okay, yeah, that's what I'm talking so about. That's, yeah, that's, that's Well, what there's I'm been other ones, other yeah. podcasts that have, okay, yeah. Yeah. So. So that's all it, t- it takes is someone innovative, y- you know. Does that, does there, do you think that there would be an issue with going to trial with students being involved? Like, do you have to be, do you have to have like credentials to be able to no, investigate? No, so it's you're a source. Remember, I, mm-hmm. I lead purposes. Yeah, you're a source. You're co- you're an informant essentially. Uh, you're okay. you're the source. So yeah, you're just you're asking for some some help. And it correct. There's the lawyers are going to talk you through on you know how the affidavits would read for mm-hmm. for a search warrant and that kind of thing. And yes, it's very possible. That the that they'd end up they in put in you on the they put uh, end up stand. in yeah in the stand you huh. know it, it, you know something public like that yeah they it's it's possible but I I don't think you know they just 
it's private investigator. Private investigator helped. Oh, yeah, you know true, I mean? true. Private investigator helped, you know. That's cool. I yeah. yeah, I don't think many colleges do this. I'd never heard of it before. I w- that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. To do. Yeah, I think that would be that's really cool that they did that and I want to look it up. Yeah, Western what was it? Western Michigan University mm-hmm. is what it's called. And literally if you go to their like if you google it, um <laughs> their their website, the Western Michigan website came up and there it has a whole big long article uh, which is where I got my description of what the program is by the way. So you can like cite that in our sources. But you guys can just go to the website and check it out. It's pretty interesting. And if you attend that college or if you're going to attend that college and you're interested in any of those like degrees or programs, that's a cool or majors. I mean, majors. That's a cool program to be a part of. You know, I took a was it criminology class at my community college. Mm-hmm. I probably I would have I would have maybe stuck with that. That would have been cool. 2020 is when it is reopened again after 20 2001 uh, and this is when they go to western michigan university mm-hmm. they also at the same time use an investigative genealogist named gabriella vargas mm-hmm. now she is able to actually solve this case in four days <laughs> and i was watching the interview with her and she was this is after the the dna came back from the lab right yeah they already have the pro yeah they have a profile okay all right yeah. So, from okay. that from the original crime scene like I mentioned. Uh, oh, okay. It was very very degraded. But somewhere in there we did we didn't talk about when the, they had a profile of what a man like like what It never said. Okay. All right. So at some point it's kind of irrelevant cuz at this point is is very minimum some lab just did it just recently. Yeah. So okay. But right. also if we're getting to the genetic genealogy part, yeah. they've already run it through CODIS. They've already mm-hmm. But again, it was very very degraded. Mm-hmm. That was the only thing that I was able to find about the DNA evidence that they had is that it was so degraded that a lot of people didn't even want to touch it. It was like terrifying. All right, so they got it to the lab to the experts probably. Yes. Okay. And so Gabriella talks about how she was like, you know, this case for 34 years was unsolved because I solved it in 4 days. <laughs> So she was able to use the the profile that they had, that family relatives to build a family tree, to find a common ancestor. Oh, this is the essence of genealogy, genetic yes. genealogy. So it was like the old school what we talked about in the first few cases when we whenever we talked about CC Moore. I feel like we haven't talked about her in a while either. So they built a family tree. Yes. So she built. She found a common ancestor. Built the family tree. Found the common ancestor, which led her to three, where the suspect would fall in that tree, which led her to three brothers. Now, two of the brothers did not live in the area at the time of the murder. They were not, like, anywhere near the area. No, like, criminal record or anything. So she was like, eh. Yeah, remember, background. They have to start doing backgrounds. Yes. So this is, this is where the college gives the police back the information now. And, th- and they start going to do their, their thing. Yes. What? So where's the genealogist work for? Worked for the college? I didn't, I didn't see that. So how, how's the college involved? They were involved by organizing the case and like leading detectives to it. Um, I think they were. Ju- it was just like another set of eyes and everything. It's unclear if maybe they suggested genetic genealogy. Either way, the detective that I mentioned, he s- is quoting the college as being very big help. Okay, All right, a very gotcha. big help in solving All right, this but case. So then, enter the the genealogist then. And the, yes. And, okay. Both the college and the genealogist is who they cite as being okay. the main help to uh, 
find. Okay, so she is a consultant for Identifinders International. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Identifinders. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, three brothers. So now the cops are doing their their thing, doing background checks. And two. So she actually did the background. Oh, she did. Yeah. So she she comes up oh. with the three brothers. She finds that two didn't live in the same area. The third brother she looks at is Patrick Wayne Gilham, and she finds that he has an extensive criminal background and lived only four miles from Roxanne's house at the time of the murder. Bingo. So that is who she gives. Yep. Bingo. There you go. Yep. And they do obviously follow him and get his DNA from a cigarette butt. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Um, He was from South Bend, Indiana. He was 67 years old when he was arrested just recently. January. So he was in CODIS? I don't think he's... No, he wasn't. Oh. He was never on the radar. Um, he was not somebody that they had ever interviewed across cri- paths How do you have... But he had a criminal record, you said? He did have a criminal record. Uh, I am... It's unable... He was arrested on February 17th. Sorry. Oh, like they a past criminal record. Yeah. Okay. They don't say when his criminal record was, though. Right. I don't know why they're being so tight-mouthed about this one, because he pleads no contest. Like, I'm going to say that in a second. But, like, literally, they're being kind of tight-mouthed about his criminal mm-hmm. record and everything. It just said that he had a criminal record. So he was 67 years old. He was arrested February, what did I say, 17th? Mm-hmm. February 17th of this year. And he is charged with open murder and breaking and entering of an occupied dwelling. You remember I asked you what open murder was? Yeah, yeah, and I wasn't sure. I never heard that one. Yeah. It doesn't specify. However, he pleads no contest to second degree murder. So I guess that was like the plea that they were the plea deal that they came to. So I'm assuming open murder is a little bit worse. Let's Google it real quick. Actually, I should have done. Yeah. That so, you know, no contest. He the the accused accepts the conviction, but avoids you know any any type of having to admit guilt. So open murder is actually a very specific Michigan thing. Yeah, it's that's a what I thought. catch-all that's charge thought, yeah. in Michigan that prosecutors can use against defendants. It's when the person is being charged with multiple and different murder or manslaughter charges under the law without one being specifically named. Huh. That's pretty good because it should be, uh, you know, pr- you know, most places prosecutors have to be pretty specific and yeah. that gives them some leeway to adjust. So when they came to that plea agreement, he came they came up with second degree murder so that gave them room to do that plea maybe yeah interesting so he's looking at about 23 years in prison with this plea his sentencing like i said is set for monday april 25th now a couple articles have said that he already has been sentenced to 23 years but then like the other few that i read said that his sentencing is set for april 25th how old is he 67 right now Mm-hmm. so he was like 30 something 34, 33 at the time of the murder. But this, I mean, was He'll a really He'll get good when he's 90. 23 years. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm Probably dying, Jill. The jails, the prisons are going to start to have a lot of old people <laughs> with all of these yeah. genetic genealogy cases being solved. With all these cold cases being solved, yeah. our prisons are about to have a lot of old people on their hands, what kind which of is interesting. S- sometimes we learn... About the person, what type of person they are. We don't have that information in this. They're being super tight-mouthed mm. about all they of this. Want, and our listeners can probably tell when this happens, it's state-dependent. And some yeah. places just want less coverage of it. And they want to mm-hmm. They want to make sure they... I wonder could be the family, too. Uh, yeah, it could be the family. But I wonder if it's just, you know, the, the evidence is so just 
you know, very precise. They want they don't want to mess anything up. You yeah. know, they want to make sure they get a conviction. But I wanted to highlight this one, too, because. Uh, I thought it was interesting the the school aspect, the college aspect yeah. of it being having a, a hand in it, but also it's so so important, and I'm so glad that they didn't just like blindly go after her husband and arrest him. Like, yeah, his life was ruined in other ways though, because they had you know he was a, a suspect for this whole time, but you know they stuck it out and kept working it until they found absolutely the correct person who who committed this murder, and now her family has justice and they can have like, so they never ruled closure. yeah they never ruled him out years ago he's been a suspect this entire time it said they have looked been still been looking at him this entire time so for 35 years he hasn't really been able to like rest essentially because i'm assuming they're still gonna continue to talk to him over the years right is that what you would do continue to interview him i, I mean anytime there's a new brand new detective on the cold case right. team that gets the, the box off the shelf you know, hey, you want to come in and talk to us and, you know, yeah. see if we can clear this up? You yeah. know, they're going to start with him. But then even also just knowing that the police suspect are suspecting you of killing your wife, living in that town, pe and you know, other people could be thinking that same thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that they really, I like hearing this, because you know how I feel about, like, wrongful convictions and stuff. So yeah. the fact that they they really stuck this one out and found the correct person, they used this new, like, technology, this advancement in art, DNA technology that is helping and then even the students I'm curious to know what the students thought if the students thought to look at the if the, they thought to continue to look at the husband maybe not since they went towards this genealogy I just I'm looking up the the program mm -hmm. it says he's awaiting trial the case is the first western students were involved in as part of the new cold case program yep not bad for yeah. for out the shoot, huh? Oh, if you keep reading, there's a paragraph down below that says if, if they were so yeah. excited for it being their first case, they didn't think that it was going to go this far. It, so launched in partnership with the Michigan State Police in 2021. So this mm -hmm. is brand new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like last yeah. year, this thing. Yeah. Oh, wow. That yeah. is awesome. Can you imagine? All right. Awesome. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. So again, it was a short, short one for you guys. Not a whole lot of information, but I wanted to highlight it for those reasons. And I do enjoy talking about the genetic genealogy and being able to highlight these cases that are cold cases, 30 plus years older than I am, and to finally be able to have some type of closure for the family, which is really awesome. I, I'm thinking they might have done the lab work too, Hannah. It's possible. I just didn't want to say that because yeah. I didn't read that. And again, there was like, there's mm -hmm. very little information. But it is possible because... Um, I wasn't the only place that I was able to find Gabriella being attached to Identifinders International was on oxygen.com. Every other article just says her name. And even when they interviewed her, the lower like third was just her name. It didn't even say like Identifinders International or anything like that. So it's very possible that she was working with the college and at the college and like helping. Yeah, you're right. It was their primary goal was to pour over documents, organize yes. them, scan them and give the state police assessment of what they thought they should look into. Yeah, okay. Right. This is pretty cool. Yeah. I think it's really cool. Very impactful, too. Absolutely. Y you know, for a college student. Can you imagine that? Oh, jeez. Yeah. And imagine the high that they have. They're all going to get into the business somehow, probably. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. It could the inspire them in many different ways. The future sleuths. I, the Michigan University. Listen, the the age of technology that we're living in with these podcasts, with the new technology colleges taking steps mm -hmm. towards this, 
it's cha- it's changing law enforcement. Like we said, remember we talked about was it last week, the week before? Yeah. Maybe it's not it's not going to it's definitely not going to stop people from murdering, but I think it'll stop at least serial killers. Yeah. It'll stop a lot of bad things, I think. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Awesome. So that was it for today's episode. Thank you guys for listening. If you're enjoying listening to us, you can. We have, oh my gosh, what is this, 52 now? This would be the 52nd episode mm-hmm. yeah. that you can binge and download right now to listen wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Apple and Spotify. Um, you can give us a five-star review on Apple. Uh, if you enjoy listening to us, please, and let us know what you think. <laughs> you can follow us on Instagram at True Crime Archives Podcast. We're also on Twitter at TC Archives Pod. And we're going to start the TikTok thing, okay? It's True Crime Archives podcast, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where it's True Crime Archives pod. Just look up True Crime Archives on TikTok. We're going to start it. We got a fancy like ring light and tripod. We're going to do it. All right. You going to do it with me? Yep. Maybe. <laughs> All, All right. right. We'll talk to you guys next week. Later. Bye. Bye.